Okay. Okay, take it away, Calum. Alright, so, yes, uh, welcome back to uh, Absolute Shambles, yes, uh, which is, uh, yeah, a little, like, uh, the three of us, uh, myself, Callum, uh, my brother, Kieran, <laughs> and Ryan, my friend Ryan. Hello. All four of us. Uh, all four, all four <laughs> of us. Uh, here. Me, myself, <laughs> Kieran, and Ryan. Um discuss uh films kind of book club style we we roll up a random film and we discuss it uh in the podcast so uh we assume that you've seen the film which means we'll be spoiling the shit out of it so uh, uh pursuant to that tonight we are discussing the great silence from 1968 directed by sergio corbucci uh, starring Jean-Louis Trintignant, Klaus Kinski, Frank Wolf, and Vanessa McGee, among among many others, like many other like like character actors who turns a bit of a bunch of Western films, which we'll probably end up discussing. Oh gotcha. And yeah, it's a it's a spaghetti western, except it's not quite like other spaghetti westerns, and we'll get we'll get into that. As is our way. I like it, Callum. I like it, Callum. Um, you're, you're setting up. You're setting up the little bits. And, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm just, yeah. I'm just like, I'm, I'm setting up those dominoes. Ready for us to fall on top of them. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, as is our custom, let's open up with some general thoughts. I mean, who wants to start here? Like, uh, who's got some like oh, you, you, right you on the pick, gate? Callum, you, you pick. Oh, I, I fucking Kieran should go. Oh right, Kieran, go ahead. Oh, uh, uh, shit. You were voluntold. Well, that's what you get, I suppose, isn't it? <laughs> that's what you get. Okay, Jesus. Um, fuck. What do I have to say about this movie? Um, yeah, going in, I don't know if, if I had... I don't know if I was going in with any expectations, really, of mm. any kind. Um, I was just kind of like... I, sp- I suppose it's going to be... It's a spaghetti western. Yeah. Cool. I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Um I don't think I even knew knew what the setting would be and all the crack. Uh, unfortunately, now, now I did um, read a tiny little bit, which did colour my view of it, I think. We'll, we'll get right. into this. It's, it's the whole, about the whole, like, um, political kind of... Um, oh, yeah. Um, ...stuff. So I, I read a little bit um, of a thing referencing that, which I'm kind of like disappointed that I did because that immediately set set me up with that sort of um um so that was an expectation there to be honest. But other than that, I had I had nothing, and so yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was cool seeing um a winter western. The only other one I've seen would be Hateful Eight, which obviously yeah um um is heavily inspired by this. Yeah, no doubt, and. I thought it was great. <laughs> it was just a great fucking movie. There's lots of like, there's a lot of stuff going on to it, which we'll get into. So I don't want to get um, I'm going to keep this nice and broad. But yeah, I enjoyed everything about it. It was really good. Ryan, <laughs> I totally concur. It was fucking. Did you like it? Yeah, it was great. That's sweet. It was very unexpected. Like um, yeah, ending and fucking mm. just the way it happened. But um. Yeah, same as you. It's just like, yeah, it's going to be another Western, blah, blah, blah. But the characters were fucking fantastic. And I think listening to the Italian was quite nice as well. Um, but yeah, just fucking 
great old movie. Fantastic cinematography, but yeah. Mm. Broad strokes as well, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, yeah, like, I mean, what got Callum? Do you want to give us some, like, um, initial stuff or? Uh, well, yeah, like, so, like, I mean, I, I also liked it a lot. Uh, and, yeah, like, like I, I think, like, yeah, like, I, just, like, on the, the surface level of it, I, I, I hadn't even uh, tweeted that it would be, like, you know, a, a wintry western. And I do enjoy a wintry western. Look, what other ones have you seen? Because I didn't even realise there were any. Well, obviously, obviously like, you mentioned Hateful Eight, which is kind of riffing on this film, obviously, to a certain extent. I feel like there's, there's, um... Uh, isn't isn't pale Ro- doesn't pale Royder have a lot of like wintry stuff in it? Oh, it could, yeah, you might be right there, or at least like not summer anyway. Yeah, I don't know that. It's that's really good. It's um, Clint yeah. Eastwood. Oh, it's it's a fairly late film. It's like from it's from the eighties, but uh, yeah, basically like uh, Clint Eastwood is is a is a character called the Preacher. Um, he like rolls into town. It's like it's like set in the Boulder Mountains. In like Colorado, so it's like very kind of snowy like or, or Idaho, I think. Or yeah. it's somewhere in like the middle of America, there it's like very snowy, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good film. Um, I mean, there's that. There's I think I feel like there's some other like classic westerns that are kind of wintry. I think there was like a at least one John Ford one that was set in the winter, but I've never seen it. Obviously, well, Stagecoach does have a snowy section. I'm sure there's plenty does of it? snowy sections. Oh yeah, it does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a complete snowbound film is. Probably a lot rarer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, like snowbound, like yeah. Because you imagine the western, especially like the spaghetti western, and you imagine like yeah, a lot of desert landscapes, especially yeah. considering, especially with like the spaghetti western, because like a lot of spaghetti spaghetti westerns were filmed in Spain, you know, in, in Al- like Almeria and like you know south of Spain, uh, where it's like very arid and very kind of like rocky, and so that's kind of what I think you would generally associate with the western, right? And with the spaghetti mm. western, is kind of this like very yeah. Yeah. yeah very arid landscape and so it's very different uh watching this kind of film like like this was shot uh primarily in i believe the italian dolomites um yeah, correct uh yeah up in the, mount- <laughs> ding, ding, up in the mountains there we have a <laughs> some of the snow some of the snow was faked uh but a lot of it was real um yeah cream. Uh, for a lot of the town scenes i think um, really yeah, she. You know. Fuck, that's a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, I mean, a lot of the like other like, know, riding yeah. scenes in the mountains, I think, were real. <laughs> but like in the in the town, I think at least for like the town scenes, it was, it was... all those landscape shots. Right, <laughs> they just covered the mountains. Shots. Shots. Um, Shaving even cream, for the town, right? that's a lot of fucking. The Italian dolomites, yeah. coated. Yeah, Aye, uh, expensive shit. Yeah, the, the, that's the first thing that caught my my eye was the was the wintry landscapes. Which mm. I just it, and it's eye catching. Uh, yeah, mm. and I enjoy it on, on like a pure aesthetic level, but then it also lends this like really, it really informs the tone of the film, right? Because it oh, is yeah. this like very isolated like landscape that they're in. It's pretty depressing, honestly. Uh, it's this. It's very harsh. Yeah. Uh, you can tell that it is just very hard, like hard scrabble living out there, um, and, yeah. and, and hard scrabble. Hard scrabble. As in, like it's just very you know tough right um mm. it's hard to play scrabble up there when you when your fingers are numb man uh yeah um yeah. you can't pick up the pieces with your gloves on like do you know this doesn't it's work there like. frankly yeah all, all, all yeah. the snow and the fog and like the smoke um yeah it's just like it's just, it's just a fantastic 
yeah <laughs> it just feels harsh you know yeah. um, do you know what it, like like it's it's a film that really gets across cold very well from the off yeah when from from the very beginning like uh when introduction of the new character or the fucking main character he takes his mm. glove off and he's got another glove on but yeah. up below it like and it's like immediately yeah. Like, yeah and like um and like the scene where um a loco is loading the bodies up onto the onto the coach mm. and it's like the just the they're ice yeah bound, like, they're almost frozen and, solid um, almost yeah, you yeah. just feel the cold so much and like i i kept kind of i couldn't help but kind of compare a lot of the scenes i hate late because you know there's some quite direct sort of um inspiration going on mm. but um i was thinking back at it and i was like i'd nearly say if you were to compare the two in this respect it kind of nearly gets the coldness across bed i kind of felt it more with this one i think um, it's been a while since I've seen Hateful Eight now, but um, I don't know. With this one, I just you know, yeah, just really fucking felt. Uh, well, I think, I think I think they spend a lot more time outside in this film. Mm, I think it's a lot more thing. Like like, yes. uh, like most of Hateful Eight just takes place yeah. inside the cabin, right? Um, and I, none, none, uh, none of them really have experience with the cold. Where this is like in a town where they all know how to deal with it, and you kind of see it in more reality. Yeah, like, the, like there's that there's that whole yeah, thing of like so learning how to the fact that they have to keep the guns warm. Uh, yeah, like the, yeah, yeah. the sheriff like learns that mm. he has to like, keep the keep his gun warm to like stop it from freezing up, mm. which comes back. <laughs> Does, but yeah, that was like yeah. So the coldness is like an immediate sort of um, subversion that happens, like straight away, um, and that was something that was really cool about this was the fact that yeah, it's one of those westerns that. Um, it's a western, but it like obviously does a whole lot of subversion. Yeah, like immediately right off the bat, like high level. I just want to talk about how this film works with the western iconography. Bring it on! Hit us with it. It really does some cool shit. Um, <laughs> it, like, to, to speak academically for a moment, like, just some, like, cool that shit was, with like, was so insightful. Very, um, very eloquent. Very eloquent. I'm just, like, I'm just like, I'm just like, figuring out where to start with it. I think I want to start with like bounty hunters, right? Like bounty hunting in westerns is like it's kind mm. of an iconic thing in, in in westerns, right? Is like the bounty hunter, right? Mm. Uh, yeah. Like mo- like in a lot yeah. of westerns, the main character is a, is a bounty hunter. In you know in mm. in fucking in Django Unchained, the main character is a bounty hunter. In uh, fucking mm. uh, like in uh, Bobby Bob. In Django? In, in Django. Django is a bounty hunter. Django. In, uh, I mean, you know, kind of Blondie in Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is, is basically a bounty hunter for a lot of film. Or, or kind of fulfills that role to some extent. Mm. Um, and so... Yeah, it's, it's one of those tropes, like... Yeah, like, it's, so, it's, so it's kind of this iconic figure within uh, the Western, and usually usually they don't appear as villains, because usually it's kind of this cool outlaw, kind of like, oh, they're... Vigilante they're doing justice. They're, justice. They're, 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 they're fulfilling the law, but like in a cool outlaw kind of way where they can kind of kill people if you want them to. They're manifesting their <laughs> destiny. Uh, all over them. Uh, yeah. Um, but in this film, I think it kind of confronts the reality of that, where, it, where like they're just killers for hire, essentially, where yeah. they're just like... It's kind of like how if you think about like how hitmen exist within fiction, in mm. uh, it's the kind of thing of like... Oh, oh, Hitman, cool. But then when you actually think about it, it's like, oh, they're just a serial killer who's paid. 
money, right? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. and, it, and this yeah. one kind of takes a similar approach, right? Like, takes the bounty hunter and like actually tries to think about it, how it, how a bounty hunter would actually operate and how that would actually look, and it's actually kind of quite disturbing and yeah. frightening because yeah. like they kind of operate kind of outside the law to a certain extent, um, doing whatever the fuck they want. Um, yeah, and the the people they're bountying are just like. They're doing these like they're they're outside the law because they're just trying to survive. Yeah, yeah. Like the 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 reason they've they've turned to crime is because they have no other way thing to do. They in order to earn money. Yeah. Uh, and and the bounty hunters just like get off on killing these people who are. I mean, they're not innocent, but like they're not like they're also like not like people who deserve to die. Uh, yeah, they're not doing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Criminals like uh, not capital shit like where. Yeah. Even consider fucking murder. Like, well, some of them were like fifty dollars a head and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And you you get this from Klaus Kinsey's character. Like, he goes off these people with like very low bounties a lot of the time, mm. right? Like, he mm. he talks about it a lot. Like, oh, he's just got like a five hundred dollars, which isn't much, but it's something. But like, you almost get a sense that like it's it's a it's a game for him, right? Like, he's in he's into it yeah. for the the thrill of it, right? Um. Mm-hmm. Man, he's fucking scary in this movie. Yeah. Oh, we'll we'll fucking get into yeah. him, boy. We'll get into him. But that's like another um thing of this film, like, as, as well as like the 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 constant se- um sense of the cold throughout it. I got like the other real sense is like just the sheer. You get a real sense of that lawlessness and that sort of like almost chaos where it's just like violence against violence. You know, just back and yeah. forth. Now, so, yeah, um, interesting historical context on this. So this idea of like, the lawless West didn't exist for that long in, re- in real life. Like, for, like you know, like mm. law was, like, more widespread than we think of it in the Old West. However, uh, there were times in the Old West where things were like this, where, especially when you, when, you, when, you, when you talk about, like, how the main character does his thing, you know, how Solence does his thing, Mm. Where he waits until he's been drawn on to 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 shoot the guys, yeah, that was a real yeah. thing. Like if you if you ki- if you guy. shot someone in self defense, you were scot free in the old. I'm West. pretty sure that's nearly still true these days in America. Like, I mean, almost yeah. Like the <laughs> oh, whole, yeah. whole the like hold it around yeah. thing, Big time. Uh, or whatever Big it's called. Time. Um, it, yeah, it does still hold true in a lot of places, but yeah. it was very true in the old West, where like. Uh, I mean, obviously, gun violence was very prominent, but uh, often the um, way you would get off, off of it was like, oh, it was in self-defense. And if you could like reasonably prove that it was in self-defense, you wouldn't do anything, any time for it at all. It was just mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, that was just part of the way of life kind of thing. Right. And, and, and yeah, like, so the, the, yeah, the, like, the, that's, that's some of the main thing of the film is like, the, it like takes the bounty hunter and like makes it, it like tries to treat it as a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um where, like, as, opposed, as opposed to like the romanticized sort of yeah. image of it, right? Um, and then broadly, and then more broadly, then it that's the approach it takes to the the old west, right? Quote unquote. Um, it 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 tries. It doesn't try to like flinch away from from the uh, the the horror of it and the the bloodiness of of that century. <laughs> um, it sure doesn't. And like, and then and then within the ending, like I was getting like fucking. Um, Night of, Night of the Living Dead vibes <laughs> off the ending, like it's like you know just so fucking. Well, it's, <laughs> it's good that the movie kind of holds true to that like uh, Wild West fucking feeling because oh, yeah. it would be easy for it to just kind of 
tip off at the end and have a bit of a softer ending, you know? But it just holds to yeah. the harshness yeah. of the fucking there place was, um, itself. There was actually those two those two alternate endings filmed. Was there? Yeah. Um bit trivia for ya. So yeah, there was what there was like an ambiguous kind of one. Um how did that play out now? It was like um That's a good question. I, I forget how that played out now, but it was like basically I think um I don't think like either Silenzio or anyone else actually died. I think they all just kind of um I don't know, fucked up. <laughs> it was some re- some really That's like, not very um, ambiguous. <laughs> they all fuck off. <laughs> I I forget exactly I forget exactly how it plays out now, but um, there was a happy ending that was filmed, which is which is really gas. Where um, oh, there's a few alternate endings. So uh, there's two. There's right. two. Um. So yeah, the happy ending was like um. Was I think Klaus maybe um doesn't like it, like it, the woman was not provoked to fire or something. And um, let's see, the sh- like again. I forget exactly how it plays out, but like the sheriff basically comes back from the dead, right? And um, <laughs> hops in, hops in through the window and starts shooting fellas. And then Silenzio joins in, and they just basically wreck, wreck all the lads. Um, Kinski probably dies, and then um, the sheriff turns to Silenzio and is like, "Basically, do you want to be deputy?" Oh. And Silenzio just just smiles, and like, yeah. And then uh, then he takes off his his hand. I think they tried to shoot his thumb off or something like that. Mm. Like you know, turn like turn around to him kind of thing. Takes off his like glove and there's like a metal gauntlet on there that made him um, impervious. Yeah, impervious to bullets. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but this was actually funnily enough. I don't think that was a producer idea. I think like I thought that was gonna happen, there. man. I was worried that was gonna happen. <laughs> oh yeah, you build up to the end of it. I was like, oh please don't come on. Stick to it. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Keep it, keep it real. Keep it yeah. real. And they kept it real. They kept it real. Uh, but I think it was actually maybe I forget why they were filmed. I think it was just like maybe as a like a just in case kind of thing, or like you know, like that, that kind of crack in case people just like go, no, we can't have that ending, <laughs> and people insist insist on having a happy ending, or whatever. But then I think like he, the producers or whatever that he showed it to, were like, now nah, that's bollocks. <laughs> let's let's do the yeah. real ending. He's like, fucking a. They get it so, right yeah. sometimes. Yeah, we give, them, we give them a hard sometimes. time, and yeah, like, and that's the thing. Like, it could, it could easily have gone the other way, really. Aye. Um, because like happy endings are not well, they're never what people want. Oh, sorry, uh, like unhappy endings are never what people <laughs> like, want. What? Do you know, <laughs> I never want happy endings. No one wants to be happy. No, God no. So yeah, so it's good they didn't fucking do that. All right. Mm. Yeah, it would have been a cop out, right? Like, like, and like the thing is, like, as I was mm, watching, I was like, expect, I was expecting the. The standard, like, you know, classic Western catharsis ending where, like, oh, the the gunslinger arrives and, like, despite his despite same, his injuries, he same. wins out the day and, like, saves the, the, the day or whatever. But then it completely just doesn't yeah. do that and just runs with the grim and inevitably is <laughs> the scenario of, like, yeah, the main character's fucked up and gets injured and gets killed. And then yeah. the town, the, and then, like, you know, the outlaws are slaughtered and massacred Klaus <laughs> and his mates just right off and that's it and yeah. it's like well that's uh, it there well, you fucking yep. go that's how it would go oh um, shit <laughs> yeah likely as not yeah god damn what like what ending like it's fucking 
like a great wrap up to like film was great, but then like to have such a a strong bleak ending. Like yeah. That, yeah, yeah, fucking sick. Should we, should we should we talk about Klaus Kinski? Yes, he's he a big I mean, subject. It, I think it's I think it's the elephant in the room. The, yeah, <laughs> the, stra- the, the, the strange. I mean, uh, his character's called Logo. The, yeah, the strange, okay, yeah. <laughs> strange po- Polish elephant in the room. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, oh, he's Polish. So I mean, it's like fucking yeah, he was born Gollum. in Poland. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, Jesus, yeah. Well, that's the thing, like, um, well, yeah, first of all, like, that's the thing, like, Klaus Kinsey is, like, like, got such, a, like, striking features and striking yeah. eyes that, like, and I think he's, he's, like, one of those people whose presence is just immediately there, you know, like, you could almost just point a camera at him, and he wouldn't even necessarily have to have acting talent, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, there you go, like, look at him, just fucking look at this guy, um, terrible hair. I was gonna get that out of the way. He'd never, He'd never had good hair. hair. But I think that I always like, had to add to his villain uh, look, though. Do you know, it looks deranged. Yeah, his hair is always just like weird and thin and like, ugh, and like in a weird mullet or something. And like, yeah, yeah. It's, I want to get that out of the way because like all the other stuff that I, I, I found out, like I read about him and looked up about him, was like so much darker. He, <laughs> so yeah. If I said that afterwards. <laughs> If I said that afterwards, it would just sound like I was making some like yeah. <laughs> so so just on like a high level like career level type thing. Let's just like discuss Faskinski and the stuff he did. So in terms of like film, so yeah. like um, obviously he mm. was in this. The first film I ever saw him in was in uh, was in I think was in for, for for a few dollars more the Sergio Leone film uh, with mm. uh, well obviously with the, like Clint Eastwood I, I and the uh, it's the middle film from the Dollars trilogy. Um, mm. the one that everyone forgets about, but is really good. Uh, it's a uh, it's the one with Le- Le- where Levin Cleef is in it, but he's not the villain. He's like a good guy. Mm. Um, yeah, it's really yeah, it's really good. It's, it's the one with like the 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 little like um the chimes, the chimes are on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's in it as a, obviously playing a villain because um, that's all he ever did. Essentially, Naturally. even when he was playing a main character, he's kind of the villain. And uh, yeah, he he was scary as fuck in it. Um, it's just as like random heavy in 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 that film. But he's done a bunch of stuff. Like he worked with the uh, Werner Herzog a lot. Ver- Werner Herzog, oh, a bunch. Our, our favorite Herzog. Oh, yeah. Like five, uh, five movies. Uh, yeah, five yeah. Movies. Uh, the, I mean, the the most famous one one is probably like Fitzcarraldo, or maybe a a a Wrath mm. of God. A Wrath uh, of God. Nosferatu the Vampire. Like there's like a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, notably, very contentious relationship between the two of them. Uh, even though they were, they even though they worked together a lot, like they kind of hate each other, but they still work together. It's like very odd. Uh, it's a very odd relationship mm. they have. I think I think I think I think on set they have a very contentious relationship, but then offset they're grand. Like it's kind of an odd kind of thing. Yeah, like I watched uh, my best fiend. You know that documentary that Bruno Harris like made. About their yeah, relationship, yeah. I've never it, seen it, but yeah, yeah, like um, nineteen ninety nine, and to be honest, on, like I went into it going like, ah, yeah, I know the crack with Klaus Kinski. I know the crack, you know, he's like, he's just as he's mad and like, you know, you know, off his head, like you know, violent, whatever. Um, oh, but if anything, like I, I left it like 
just more confused than ever because it's one of those things where he's literally you know in different like, times in his life and like within the same day he would exist in like completely um polarizing you know um ways like he'd be you know flying off his head you know about something tiny and then he could be joking and laughing and like you know the fucking documentary finishes with um like a beautiful shot of him with this butterfly that's like you know landing on him and like he's just moving it around gently with his finger and stuff and he's like really smiling and it's kind of beautiful and then there's like other bits where he's like foaming at the mouth and screaming at the producer um mm. about like food or something innocuous um so yeah, like uh, now I don't know what the fucking story is. <laughs> yeah, like, like, wasn't there like a, an instance on this on on the set of this film where he like threw a lot of anti-Semitic slurs at one of the actors, but oh, yeah. he claimed that it was like uh, meant to be part of an acting exercise. It was like very uh, very fucking weird. I know he was. Uh, uh, I know his, his wife and daughter were on location, and he went off uh, riding some other one while they were filming. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> How? But that's like not I'm even the worst shit he's done. Yeah. Mm. Um, like he's done some like genuinely bad shit as well. What, what's the uh, genuinely like bad shit? Because I don't, I don't know anything about uh, that. Well, he like a, like, well, he's like one of his daughters uh, came out in 2013, like um, with a lot of uh, sexual abuse allegations. Oh, um, which was, a lot... it, was it Natasha Kinski or was that someone else? Uh, uh, um, what's her name? Um, Paula, I think the name might be. Oh, uh, not Natasha anyway. Um, but that, you know, Natasha is also like, yes, he uh, was not a good man to be raising kids. Um, <laughs> I can imagine Jesus. Yeah. Christ. So yeah, and then like yeah, like I I, I went on a bit of a fucking Klaus Kinsey rabbit hole today. <laughs> um, and like yeah, just like the more I found out, the more I'm like, Jesus, this this boy is like a fucking powder keg to say the least. Um, like he was possibly actually insane mm. um like when he was tw when he was 26 he was um pretty much sectioned and diagnosed with schizophrenia and now this was in 50s germany so you know yeah you like know. he was never treated for it right like he was just diagnosed with i don't, it. I don't I mean, think he left continued working and shit what the like, fuck? uh he spent like three days in this um <laughs> no, in, in this that's place plenty i think of time. he was might be that given that, some drugs that's enough time to cure it yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. like I could do it in a day and a half there. for probably like a tenner cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> with rock star, <laughs> with with, no, with enough fentanyl, he could do anything. Like he was brought in there because <laughs> he was he was in love with like this doctor that was twenty four years his senior, and she was like, I think she'd been financing him because uh, he was like a poor artist or whatever. Um, and then as the relationship went on, she was like, actually this guy's a bit mad. I'm not sure if I want to be with him. Um, so then he was like, he got really fucking, you know, clingy and uh, went around to her apartment and wrecked the gaff and like tried to strangle her. So then the police brought him, brought him into this place. And uh, yeah, and then he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, which I can, you can kind of see in, in a way, you know, with his kind of behavior later on. Like it's very like, as I said, erratic, like, erratic and like completely polarized. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, yeah, and, like, like he's, but it also plays into, like, his presence on screen as well, because, like, when you're watching him either on screen 
in an actual movie or or in like you know footage from behind the scenes and stuff it's like it's like watching like a chimp or something or like a, you know a wild animal where you don't know what the fuck he's gonna do next <laughs> um so yeah like very unhealthy. yeah he just kind of has like very creepy like blank stare yeah it's like it's, so what, it's take, like yeah. aggressive but kind of calculating at the same time mm. um and and yeah and like that's the thing like he wasn't like an unintelligent man either like there'd be a part of it of where he kind of knows what he's doing and like recognizes things like you know Werner Herzog um kind of deliberately making him go into as he says like one of his fits like you know you could set him off by just like um mainly by taking him out of the center of attention that was kind of his big thing he was like an absolute egomaniac um, so like Werner Ver Herzog like, recognized, and I think he recognized that Werner would do this as well, where he'd like make him go off about something, so that then he'd be kind of spent when, and then they could do the shot and have him be in this certain mood and that kind of stuff. Mm. So they're like, yeah, very kind of interesting relationship between the two of them for sure, and like yeah, and as you say, like they were friends and and, and enemies at the same time, you know. Yeah. So, a like, sure. very unhealthy person to be living um, a life, <laughs> but um, but like also makes for like some pretty extraordinary performances, and uh, yeah, that's that's my little treatise on Klaus Kinski <laughs> from today. Yeah, I mean, and also like side, sidebar within a sidebar here, uh, uh, her, his his daughter Natasha Kinski is a great actress uh, in her own right, and. Uh, you should catch catch her some stuff like Paris, Texas. She's in Paris, oh, Texas. Oh shit! Really good. Is she? Yeah, yeah. Who does she play? That's Natasha Kingsky. Yeah, she plays uh, his wife, oh, uh, the the estranged wife. Fuck. Um, damn, yeah. I did not know that. That's a that is a that is a beautiful goddamn film. Incredible film, actually. Incredible fucking film. Yeah, Harry Harry Dean Stanton giving an amazing performance. Oh, uh, sham life. Mm. Yeah, geez, we could we, uh, we could go off on a whole different. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> I could I could talk for hours about fucking Paris. Oh, anyway, God, yeah. back to back to the back to the, the film. Just, let's go watch it. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm more fucking added to the list, honestly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Klaus Kinski in the, in this film, he yeah, um, yeah, good got, performance. Yeah, gonna yeah, fuck that guy, like Jesus. Oh yeah, fuck that guy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Very uh, problematic vigor uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the statement of the of the fucking week. Yeah. Pro problematic vigor, Klaus Kinski. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, makes a great villain. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, like he's fucking life. frightening. Uh, yeah, yeah. But like, it's kind of it's kind of telling though how you can actually like he is frightening even without any of that. Yeah, because I didn't know any of that shit, and he was stuff, terrifying. Right? Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing because he just has that fucking presence. Am I easy, man? Um, but there's some in there's some interesting shit with his character as well though. Like, um, there's bits where I I was almost seeing a sort of like. A bit of like an effeminate kind of edge to it, you know, um, and that kind of crack. Well, he wears that like shawl, doesn't he? Like kind he of wears like, like women's clothes. Shawl. <laughs> he wears like a woman's coat as well. I think. I think yeah. someone's one of the characters says that about him. The sheriff says it. Yeah, and then like and then some of like the way he's acting as well. It's like almost kind of effeminate and stuff, which kind of I don't know, like it was kind of gest gesturish. Yeah, just, I, I, like a. The gesturing yeah. and yeah, it's no, like, like, like and I suppose just, just playing up, being like clownish, like not clownish, like 
cheeky and all that. Like. I think yeah, I think it's more. Just, I think it's more that he's just very yeah. theatrical, right? Like the the character is very theatrical. Yeah. Um, and he's sort of playing at this like character almost of this like, you know, louche bounty hunter. Mm. Mm. Whereas under it, he's just this cold killer. Yeah. And you almost like towards the end of it, you almost get the sense of like not not only is like the hot the you know the bouncing hunting the thing for him, like the the act itself, the act of killing, but mm. there's almost this like he wants to take out Silencio. You know, he wants he wants to take out the the bounty killer killer uh, to prove something mm. almost right. Like it's kind yeah, of this yeah, like, yeah. fucked up obsession. I think a power means a lot to him as well. The power that comes from killing. Yeah, yeah. Because he, because he really got off on telling the boys to fucking start the massacre, do you know. Mm. Mm. I don't think he actually fired any shots himself when they killed the the bandits. <laughs> Which again is just like that's just like Kinski all over, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but more than that, like it plays into the themes of the of the film, right? Like where mm. like the film is it, it like, it's not just subverting the western for the sake of subverting the western like it, like it's clearly is he Sergio Kubitschi has political aims with this film right like, like he he's attempting to say something uh about the way that power works right and about the way that like kind of the you know power dynamics work uh and the way that like money corrupts and the way that kind of law yeah often doesn't have the best interests at mm. heart uh, of the people and that kind of thing and the way that, and the and the reasons that people turn to crime, a, a lot of it is like you know, maybe it's like a lot of lip service to to a certain extent. But when you actually get to the ending, like all of that is, I think it's solidified to a certain extent. Where like, um, you know the the victims are the quote unquote criminals, the outlaws. You know, yeah. like the and and the people who are supposedly upholding the law are the villains, are the bounty bounty hunters. Like you know, it's like yeah. Yeah, like like Kobushi said has said in interviews that you know is influenced by you know Che Guevara. Like his death is a big influence on it, mm. right? Um, mm. Yeah, and like see that's the thing. See, I read I read that before I watched it. You see, so I was kind of I'd be wondering if you were primed for yeah. So I so here's the thing: about that. I was not primed for that at all. But were you getting? That I did not that? know. I did. I did not know Sergio Kobushi's whole deal. Yeah, and so I didn't actually get. I didn't actually get the framing and the theming of the film until the very end right um until it all comes together mm. um but it still came through and then, and then and then falls apart uh in this like beautiful horrifying way um cool and then it, everything solidified for me i was like oh yeah oh because i thought course. i thought there was gonna be a spectacular ending where again like the fucking alternative ending that the sheriff showed up and everything was gonna be fine like, mm. yeah, yeah or at least something was gonna be fine yeah i kept i kept yeah. expecting that yeah. kind of thing yeah, yeah. Mm. but not boom boom now we mentioned uh of course we mentioned hateful light which is clearly riffing on this film let's talk about ennio morcroni oh man he's done it again ennio morcroni and obviously uh the uh with some uh help from bruno, bruno nicolai again uh two of my favorite italian composers <laughs> in the uh, same movie working hand in hand <laughs> um, <Get> in. <laughs> hey, oh <laughs> Uh, I mean, what can I say? What like, can you say? It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful score, but like Hateful Eight, like it almost goes into these into these areas of scoring where like, it doesn't sound like a western in some places. Mm. It sounds like a horror movie. Mm, mm. Like there's some bit like I'm especially thinking of like the bit where uh, like Loco has just killed the sheriff and he's riding back towards town. Mm. 
and the soundtrack is almost like this wailing like horror movie soundtrack almost where yeah you've got like wailing fucking voices and yeah like it feels like like it 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 feels like you're in a horror film like because because you are because because loco's free and he's horrifying (laughs) and he's about to do what he's gonna do and you know what he's gonna do and you don't want him to do it but you know he's gonna do it um and it's that horrible inevitability and the soundtrack just mirrors that and amplifies it um and and it doesn't yeah again like it like there's some bits of it that like yeah, like it doesn't it doesn't feel like a western soundtrack in a lot of places. I mean, some places it does, like but like there's no like there's very little romance to the soundtrack, right? Like it's it's more about the enhancing the, like the sweeping landscapes and then also like the horror of the situation and the all that kind of thing. Yeah, like um like I got hold of the soundtrack today um and the despair of it, like the sadness of it. There's, there's like a melancholy to the soundtrack as well. Big time, yeah. Like uh yeah like I I got hold of the soundtrack today and um just went for a big old walk mm. and uh, listened to it, uh, which I'd highly recommend, um because part partly like it's great like it makes everything dramatic, <laughs> 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 like you're watching someone waiting to cross the road and it's like the twang like the the ding comes in and you're like <gasps> what's gonna happen, um but yeah like it's a fucking it's a kind of remarkable soundtrack it's like it's fucking fantastic like it's so good <laughs> um like everything you just mentioned um like it's got really interesting instrumentation going on. he uses like fucking sitars and shit yeah um, i was gonna say like it has like some weird like kind of indian influences on it on there yeah. um, like it, it's got like the kind of you know it's got a bit of twangy guitar and that kind of crack the you know the because you got you gotta have that mm. you gotta get that in there but then yeah it, it has all the other stuff that's sort of much like the film you know, subverts the the tropes of the Western soundtrack, and yeah, it's just fucking beautiful. And like the, there is one ni- nice bit of it. You know, there's like the um, there's like the the love theme, uh, which is like a beautiful piece on its own as well. Um, and that scene as well, I thought it was like, you know, for an Italian movie, it was a pretty restrained <laughs> sex scene. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know those Italians. Like, so, yeah. Jesus. You know, there was a bit of bum, uh, um, but it was it was quite tender. It's quite tender. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't like loving. just you. Know, um, yeah. Ah, I didn't. Ow. I didn't it want there just, to be. I didn't yeah. want that to go ahead. But... It wasn't like fucking Roger Vadim. Do you know what I mean? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it wasn't like one of uh, one of Laszlo's pornos. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is what I want to do. This is what I want right now. <laughs> For the listeners, that's um, a reference to the what, what We Do in the Shadows TV show, which is very good. Oh, I haven't watched it. And I didn't think would be mentioned in um, a podcast about The Great Silence, but there we go. <laughs> Well, this is this uh, how this podcast works, I suppose. <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get. Hey, now, <laughs> yeah, soundtrack. Um, Damn, like I mean, like, any, any fucking really. Mark Carney, you can't go wrong with them. Like so literally, every like, soundtrack you ever did was a classic. Like it's just kind of well, like I, can't. I, I knew mm-hmm. that's like one of the things going. Like I knew, like you know, any Mark Carney can't go wrong. But I was still surprised and still like. Yeah, surprised mm. by how good it was and what in what ways it was good. Um, well, yeah, because like it, like it almost doesn't sound like an Ian Morricone soundtrack, but then also you remember like 
<laughs> yeah, you have, you have to remember that Ennio Morricone was like he was big into experimentation. Like big he time. he never wanted to sound the same twice, exactly, right? Exactly. That's um, that's something I read about. Even even in the case of like something like hey, for exactly. me, where like was, he's was being asked by Tarantino to do something westernish. Yeah. He's still doing something different. He's still like he's kind of riffing on the 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 thing, and he's riffing on like yes. all kinds of shit with that soundtrack. Like, Cam, you can't. You... It's it's it's, and he he was in his fucking nineties or something when he was did that fucking soundtrack. Like it's fucking mental. Cam, you, you can't see me, but I'm I'm nodding vigorously. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like and like here, yeah, like he show he shows the soundtrack to Quentin Tarantino, and apparently, like you know, the first time he hears it, he's like. Uh, ooh, I I don't know now. <laughs> like, I, I thought I was gonna get a fucking sweet, you know, bit of Morricone. Like, but Morricone's like, just listen to it again, all right? <laughs> and then he gets it. He's like, oh my god, you're a genius. <laughs> but yeah, like it was um, it was kind of a, a standout soundtrack, and kind of yeah, and for those reasons we've outlined, kind of. Like, like I haven't heard like all of any Morricone soundtracks, but oh, there's there's too there's many. There's too many. <laughs> like, to, there's so many. Lifetime. He's so prolific. And he's got like the classics. Um, what you we did the good, the bad, the ugly. You did the fucking dollars. Um, I, I so I actually so on on Spotify I I followed a playlist that was put together by um. There's this film critic I follow on Twitter called Priscilla Page. And she put together she put together a really good playlist of Morricone soundtrack of like highlights from Morricone soundtracks, and it's eighty eight tracks long. Fuck. Uh, it's like five hours long, um, and, it, and it only and it only touches the highlights. Yeah, <laughs> there's like many yeah. there's like it doesn't even incl- it doesn't even actually include the Grand Solent anything to Grand Solent soundtrack. Uh, uh, and there's I think there's many other soundtracks that I missed out, but like it's just the highlights. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's stuff from like, uh, uh, you know, it's stuff from like the, the Dollars trilogy, um, and that kind of thing, and like. Well, that's that's what it's like. That's what I like. Still, about, like, still five hours fucking long. Like, well, that's what I like oh about God. this soundtrack, guys, because it's like, you know, it's it's like one of those albums by a band or a musician. It's like it doesn't have like their greatest hits on it, and it's not like the most yeah. well known even necessarily, but it's just like solid as fuck and interesting. And does a lot of different stuff that you think, and you know, and like, and yeah, like, listen to it today, it was just like banger after banger, you know. Mm. (laughs) Apart from one, there was one like little strange moment. It was actually just after I was walking along thinking, like, this is this could be like this is like a perfect soundtrack. There's like, I can't find anything wrong with this. This is like (laughs) perfect. And then, like, the weird, the weird song came in where I was like, oh, that's kind of broken the spell slightly. It was just like, there's like a saloon theme where it's like incidental piano saloon music kind of thing. The kind of thing like, it's in the film, but it's like so subdued in the soundtrack, you don't actually yeah, hear exactly. it. Yeah, really, exactly. Like, that just film, came out yeah. of nowhere after like this really dramatic theme. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> is that in the movie? <laughs> like, this jolly bit of tinkly piano. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, so that kind of broke the mood slightly, but uh, other than that, yeah, um, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, the, yeah, the score is uh, incredible. Can't say enough good stuff about it. Mm. What about you, Ryan? Do, do you think the score is good, Ryan? Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say I um, <laughs> it stood out to me. It's maybe because I didn't know. I just don't remember fucking composers and I don't usually look. Hmm. Well, yeah, like, in fairness, um, I was kind of only 
like half aware, I suppose, of the soundtrack while the film was going on. It's only when I listened to to it like on its own mm. that it really kind of hit home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas when I was always watching the opening, the opening credits going by, I was like. And like any Morricone and Bruno Nicolai's name came up, was like, oh yeah, fist pump, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. Uh, the opening credits were because like that's, that's like half of the music I ever listened to on fucking Spotify when I'm doing like work and shit. Like, yeah, fucking Bruno Nicolai, hell yeah, Great, uh, fantastic opening credits actually. I like. There's something about like these, just these these seventies, well sixties and seventies opening credits. Like they're just so good. Well, like the art of the opening credit, like actually, there's a really uh, I keep referencing <sighs> him on this on this podcast, but so you, pa- Patrick Willems actually did Patrick a really Williams. good uh, video recently um, about um, about opening credits to films. Mm. Let me see. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's called a dying cinematic art, and why it needs to come back. Uh, the opening, to- the opening, to- it's about opening total sequences. It's, it's it's exact, it's exact thing of like. This whole thing of like setting the scene for the film and like you know easing the audience in and kind of like getting you to kind of like, but also like you know showing who's worked on the film and stuff. Yeah, but also like like subtly and like planting no, no one really kind of, does it anymore. Yeah, like like you know? subtly planting seeds of like how it's gonna play out and stuff. Like he's going along his horse and he's kind of struggling and then like you know him and the horse just fall and like get stuck and yeah. no one's like oh yeah that's like him dying at the end you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I think I think um I think David Fincher still does really good opening opening title sequences. Mm. Uh like he's he's like the opening title sequence to, you know, uh Guild of Dragons 2 is is amazing because it's just like this really fucked up CGI mess. Yeah, this like that's like kind of a riff James on James Bond, Bond a little yeah, bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh but with like Karen O doing Led Zeppelin over the top yeah, of it yeah, yeah. it's like and then also like Gone Girl, where it's like this like really fast cut shots of the town and like all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, mm. It kind of sets up the the unease of the film. Um, yeah, like like but yeah, no one really does like a, a full on opening title scene like 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 this anymore. Like where it's like kind of really like easing you in and setting the scene and that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and there's just yeah, it's just that. But everyone did it like that. That was it. Was just a thing that people yeah. did for like years. Which is it's something I always love. Like just like coffee like springs to mind. You know, just like you have this class shot of like you know the car going down the street with like the song coffee playing, coffee is the color, and you got like the <laughs> na- all the names coming up, and it's just like yeah, it's easy going. You're just like oh yeah, this is gonna be good. You know, like you're already enjoying yeah. it so not, much. Not not <laughs> yeah. Not not to keep stealing material from Patrick Willems here, but <laughs> the one thing he one thing he points out in his video is that like um, way back in the day, like in in the forties and fifties, like when they would just have like the opening titles play before the film, often those would be playing as the curtains were going up. Oh. So they would be, they they'd be playing on the curtains, and as the curtains came up, those People would, still those would be in, like probably. Yeah, it'd be almost like an overture in in front of the yeah. film, like how you have an overture in front of like a lot of longer films. Mm. And so we would play like an overture and like it would kind of ease the audience in and kind of get them to like into the mood of the film. Yeah. Uh, and then the film would play. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah, that's the thing because like because it's easy to to kind of you know forget to think about these things these things in terms of cinema, like as in yeah. the actual physical cinema, because yeah yeah because yeah, like obviously. People won't like just. I, I, I watch this. I watch this on my computer, mm. yeah. <laughs> like, which is very weird. Like, like when you think about it, it's like I watched this film from nineteen sixty eight 
on my computer with headphones. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh. Alone in my living oh, room. I, uh, I don't want to brag, Kevin, but I, I projected the shit out of it onto my wall. You And I listened, oh, to, my, and I listened yeah. to it with a, a, a 70s hi-fi. <laughs> mm. so it's the way you do it. That's how it's done. No, the projector is like a, a small 50 quid projector from Amazon. But yeah, you know. Ah, yeah. Like, <laughs> onto a bed sheet. Yeah. <laughs> in, my head, was big, like. in my head, I was, it was 1968. Did you put, did you put it up the on the wall behind your bed? Did you start putting it there? Aye, aye. Or I told you. Section. Yeah. Good. You did tell me to do that. I did, I. You did not. I did so. No, you fucking did. When I was down visiting I me, you were, put, you were putting it up on the other wall over all the fucking shit, and I was like, look, there's a nice wee space over there. Fuck. <laughs> Jesus. Well, there you go. There you go. Murphy does it, Murphy you... does it again. <laughs> Right, did, did you ins- did you incept Kieran? With <laughs> I think he did. Did you inception him? <laughs> I, I didn't intend to. I just did. fucking told him to do it, but it seems like it worked like an inception. You went you went into his into his fucking third dream layer and fucking planted that shit in the safe in front of his mind. Oh yeah, when we were in that um that outpost in the snow, Ryan, remember? Yeah, we and, just couldn't um, get that had... safe open. What? What was yeah, that? Yeah, that's what. And and Ryan was in the hospital bed and was like, I you know like. I was disappointed. Disappointed in what? Disappointed that you didn't put a projector on that fucking wall. Uh, Holy shit. And then the drop happened, and then, like, yeah. Damn. Uh, God damn. What a jump. I'm living a light. No reference inception. What's going on? Oh, man, um. I fucking. Tangents with oh. I, well, I have been like, oh. you know, thinking about Christopher Nolan quite a lot recently. To be honest. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> back to the great song. Um, just in general, like, I mean, like, what the fuck? Sidebar within a sidebar within a sidebar within a sidebar. I, 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 I think. Uh, I, I, I think Tenet is really good. I still haven't watched it. I think it's good. You think it's good? Okay. I know what you, I know, Karen, I know why you don't, why you didn't like it. And I get it. But also, it's good. Mm. And we'll, and we'll um, leave that as a mystery. I, I recommend, I recommend watching it again at some ah, point. Yeah. When, when you've kind of cooled off on it a bit. You know, <laughs> oh yeah. Let, let it, cool let off, it man. Let it marinate a bit. Cool yeah. off. I'm still fuming, girl. Still fuming. Fuming. <laughs> no, no, you like, <laughs> It's definitely one of Nolan's more like you know, less character driven, more Just puzzly kind of films. Let's leave it. Let's leave it. But... Guys. I haven't seen it. Come on. <laughs> let's 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 leave that hanging. Let's leave that. Let's leave that thread. Uh, and let's let's return to the film at hand, which is the Great Silence. And actually, let's talk about Sergio Kabuchi. Yes. So Sergio Kabuchi was like he's he's one of those other he's one of those like he's, like, he's one of those, Spidey Western. But he, he did other stuff, but like mostly Spidey Western directors. Who, uh, you know, was working around, around the same kind of time as Sergio Leone. He's he's less talked about, I think, but he's kind of you know within the same ballpark. Mm. Um, you know, people who know about Spaghetti Westerns know about Sergio Cabucci, but like people who don't are like, oh yeah, Spaghetti Westerns, Sergio Leone, and then that's kind of the extent of it. But then when you actually kind of dig into it, it's like, oh yeah, Cabucci, and there's like a, a couple, there's a couple other names I think, but the it's like Cabucci and Leone are kind of the two main ones, um, and for good reason. I like. And definitely, Sergio Cabucci was like uh, as oddball as Leone was, and he was a bit of an oddball. 
Uh, Corbucci was a strange man. Oh yeah. Uh, and I, 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 and I, and I like him a lot because he's very left wing. <laughs> uh, his politics align with mine quite a bit. Well, that's no surprise. But he made some weird old westerns. Okay. Uh, Is he proper full on left wing like communist? Uh, he was pretty, he was pretty left wing. Like, like uh, he, he, the extent to which that entered into his films varied quite a bit. But uh, I mean, with this for this film, it's very heavily heavily left wing, obviously. Mm. Because it's very kind of like you know uh, questioning of like existing norms of like you know uh, the way that Western capitalism and all that kind of shit works. But um, but you know like like he directed a bunch of stuff. Like he directed Django, which is obviously where the name mm. where Django Unchained kind of comes right. from, essentially. Some June. Some June. He directed Never Navajo Joe, uh, which sells Burt Reynolds. Um, <laughs> Someone's obviously uh, the mercenary actually. Uh, uh, is a, is one film I, need, I still need to watch actually. Il Mercenario, indeed. Also starring Franco Nero. Uh, he was also in um, uh, Django, Django uh, playing Django. But yeah, I, I still need to watch that. Um, also, soundtrack by Ennio Morricone. I've heard some bits of the soundtrack and it's like fantastic. Um, I was like, okay, I need to I need to watch this. I'm, I'm the specialist. Like, the, there's there's like a bunch of films that he did that I need to watch because I've I, I know, I'm I'm still like. I'm like into Italian cinema, but I'm still like really only scraping the surface very lightly at the moment. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, turns out there's a, there's a lot of films <laughs> that Italians made. Yeah, like, like, geez, I, I was looking at the, um, I was having a look at the actors um, and what they'd uh, been involved in. And uh, Marissa Mer- Merlini mm. uh, has like 170 credits on IMDb. Like, Jesus. Uh, Yep. <laughs> like on, on like on Wikipedia, the selected filmography for her was 134. I counted. I counted. Mm. And yeah, it's just like a sea a sea of fucking titles. He's like, oh my god. <laughs> uh, so my, yeah. my note my note for her in my notebook is Mar- Mar- Marissa Merlini was in every Italian film. <laughs> That's close <laughs> enough. <laughs> That's what yeah, Zachary. Yeah. I mean, like and like fucking. Yeah, like and a bunch of those actors were like also in a lot of Sergio Leone films, like yeah. uh, Luigi Pistilli, who plays um, that kind of corrupt like town official Polycut. Um, good about he plays uh, he plays uh, uh, Father Ramirez in The Good, The Bad, and oh. Ugly. Yeah, and um, I think he's still, he's also in a fifth for Fudos More, I think as well. And um, Mario, Mario Brega um, was also in Good, Bad, and Ugly. Yeah. yeah. Who do you play? And there's a and there's a couple of people in this that were in like um like in one of the dollars films as well. Like yeah, there's a big there's a mm. big like um shared kind of um group a, a, a group big shared group of buys poo 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 of actors. Yes, the poo all the yeah. Italian buys. Yeah, Fra- Frank Wolf. Mm. He's been in like a yep. bunch of fucking westerns. Jesus. Oh yeah. Um. He he. Took took his own life in Rome three years after this was made. Oh, I did geez. not know that. He was only forty three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hooked up. Yeah. I, I, I unexpectedly found out a lot of dark shit today when I was researching this. <laughs> and <laughs> I he did not see it coming. Uh Frank Wolf. Oh yeah. uh, he Frank, was the sheriff. He played the sheriff. Uh... He before this he yeah, he was in a lot of like Western T V shows. He was in like uh, Rawhide um and that kind of thing, and then yeah, he went over to Italy and started making a lot of like, <clears throat> uh, a lot of. Westerns. Oh, so so um, he's um, Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
I mean, essentially, yeah. Like he he played that's, that's like it. a lot of heavies in in like Western TV shows and then went over to yeah. Italy. Yeah. Shit. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think he was like less less high profile than, yeah. than that character, maybe. But like, yeah. And then, like, Vanessa McGee actually had, like, a, the opposite career path where she started off in Italy almost. In this film? Um, in this, in the, well, she was in a couple of films, okay. but actually, no, yeah, yeah. In, it, it was like this and another film, I think, in, in the same year. Uh, Faustina, I think it's called. Let me just check that. Um, yeah, Faustina, uh, which is another, another Italian film. It's like a romance, I think. Yeah, she, st- she started off. In Italy, and then uh, went over to and like, but she was American, and she she re- returned to America, and uh, was in a bunch of um, uh, black exploitation films. Savage, I think. Yeah. savage. She she was in the very interestingly titled Shaft in Africa, <laughs> um, oh. which is now a film I need to watch. Um, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, that's that's another like. Yeah, area of like pulp, pulpy films. Like, there's, I've seen a couple of black exploitation films in my time, but I know there's a lot of gold out there that I haven't mind. Do you know? There's a film that I need to. Uh, Bla- have you I seen Blackula? It's not. It's not. What's that, Have you seen Blackula? Blackula. <laughs> no, but I was about to mention a. I was. A, I was about to mention a very famous black, uh, black exploitation. Uh, uh, adjacent vampire film, which is uh, Ganja and Hess. <laughs> Have you ever seen Ganja, Ganja no, and Hess? No, of course I haven't. Uh, it's really weird and cool. It's like way more interesting than the name suggests. <laughs> but the, the name makes it sound like a stoner film, but it is absolutely not a stoner like film. Sto- it's like, like this weird experimental... <laughs> No, 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 like it's a really cool, like experimental uh, piece of bla- of like African American cinema. Yeah. Uh, this kind of this kind of this like vampire film, but it like has a lot of European sensibilities to it. It's like really mm. cool, but it is called Gundry and Uh Just to to get the bombs on the seats, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, Ganja! Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna watch that. It had me so old, like. Uh, yeah. I'm not even it, fucking down added to a list because, like, I haven't even I haven't even watched the whole film. I've watched like bits of it. Um, I need I need to actually find an excuse to watch the full thing. Yeah, come. If there's one thing this podcast needs, it's a bit of black exploitation, like you know. I. Yeah, I'm actually gonna fucking try it. In. Anywho, anywho, back to what Vanessa McGee. Yeah. And the, <laughs> yeah. And, the and the cast. Yeah, like it's like, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's in terms of like um, westerns and spaghetti westerns, it was kind of fairly kind of stacked cast, I suppose, in a way. Do you know, like um, they're all fairly yeah, classic. like like there's a lot of people who were like were in a lot of other spaghetti westerns around the same kind yeah. of time. Um, a lot, a lot of familiar faces. I yeah, you know, I feel like I recognized a lot of this cast like just from you know their faces, yeah, that's early it. films, like you know. That was the same, yeah. Like, I, like a lot of people I saw, I was like, "Geez, I've seen them before." Like, yeah. Speak, speaking of um, actors and characters, actually, <laughs> I don't know if you, if you guys picked up on this, but there was like a whole a pile of character names in this that were like either really English or like even like names that would appear in like an English soap. Did you? What are you with me? In the movie? How do you mean? What? In in this movie, yeah. Two. Like, Nick, give me one. There's, well, there's, I've got eight written now. So right. Oh, fucking hell. I'll, I'll start off soft, and then, and then it gets more English soapy as it goes on. So we've got 
we got Henry, we got Charlie, uh, Walter, Martin, Gideon, Regina, Pauline, and Gordon. Actually, Pauline, yeah, Pauline. I mean, Pauline, Gordon, <laughs> Regina. It's like that's like fucking. But this is, this is like, set in the West. Like this is set in. Like, I suppose, yeah. But it's just like it, the West, like the old West. We had like a, you had a lot of European names. Yeah. I I didn't really like. I wasn't really ever like. I think Paul, you know, none of that really flagged to me, right? Like it was just like, oh, that's. <laughs> I think it might have been like Pauline was the first one. I was like, yeah, that just sounds pure fucking like East An old woman with like a big fucking curly white well, hair, like screaming yeah, on the streets. Yeah. Yeah. But like here's where here's where you here's where here's a really like here's a thing you gotta remember. Here's a thing you gotta remember, Karen. For fuck's sake, you know the do you know the name Chad? You know the name Chad, yeah. Karen? Well, that's like um That is an old that's an old medieval name. What? What? Well, well, is there any is knights, a medieval name? Is there any like recorded knights called Chad? Knight Chad. Uh no, but there is a Saint, Saint Chad. Chad. <laughs> um, What's it a Saint though? Yeah. And and so like you gotta remember like Saint Brock. <laughs> what all no, my, all modern dog? associations with certain names are like are pretty out of whack, I to know. be honest. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. We have a lot of like weird assumptions. Like, if you go back to the medieval times, you you if you go to any random town, you could be assured of meeting a Chad. And I don't just mean that in the terms of meeting a very strapping lad. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, and sure, like I'm sure Gideon is definitely that's definitely got some like a uh, ancient kind of you know stuff. But yeah. Aaron, I've been watching. So, so like speaking of westerns, like I've been, I've been watching Deadwood recently. Oh, like, what? And like, and like most of the na- Deadwood, and so, and like most of the names in Deadwood are real people, and those are some wild names. Mm. Yeah, they are. Seth Bullock, Al Swearingen. Yeah. I thought that was just because he swears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's just no, no, real dude. Al Swearingen was a real fucking dude. Okay. Um, oh yeah, sure. Um, a real, absolutely dangerous man. Uh, yeah, oh, true. Uh, Wild Bill Hickok, his actual dude. Wild Bill yeah. Hickok, yeah, yeah. And so, like, you, like you, you, you kind of, kind of, you can't really put it past the fucking Victorian times, but like, just yeah. Weird and this things. is in, is eighteen ninety ninety um, what eight eighty is eighteen ninety eight, which is a really weird setting yeah. for a western. Eighteen ninety eight is super late, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. for a western film. Like that's kind of because, uh, like, the eighteen like. This is like electricity is a thing now <laughs> in the 1890s, right? Like, like this is like kind of maybe slowly a bit of an ahistorical film to so it's like because so like I don't know. Well, maybe but not to pay. There were still parts of the yeah, country that were maybe like, like that this, out in like, remote areas, like because they were clearly trying to change it. Yeah, yeah. Do you know they were saying to the sheriff and they were aware it was a problem and they couldn't that they were stuck in the past. Like. That's true. Yeah. That with oh yeah with like there was that there was that brief mm. scene yeah with like the. The government official, like, yeah. but yeah, for like, for like, yeah, like, eighteen ninety eight, like most of the most of the place was like most of the country at this point was, you know, railroads were everywhere. You know, a lot of places, at least on the east coast, were electrified. You know, most of the west coast was actually colonized at this point, like pretty thoroughly. Uh, or well, I say colonized. Uh, destiny was manifested <laughs> upon it. Um, Indeed, all over the shop. All, all, all over the Native Americans and Mexicans that were already there, um, and then subsequently all over the Chinese immigrants that came along. But yeah, that like eighteen ninety eight, weird, weird date for a Western film because this kind of like the period of what we normally think of the old, the old West, long gone by this mm. point in in terms of real world history. 
so yeah yeah super interesting but yeah like like yeah still victorian names and victorian naming conventions and all that kind of stuff are like still holding true and so you get you do get a lot mm. of witcher but then you um, have kind of a like, lot of like english names yeah like um, the newer kind of elements coming in as well a little bit like um like what the interesting thing that i read about was like uh like you know like silenzio is gone mm. um oh I yeah that, like, I, was, uh, I was just like it's like with the, the cartridge you know the there was the magazine. He's got like a magazine. Yeah, like it? I thought it was like well, no, that's like the, just a shoulder rest on the back that he clips on. Um, yeah, like I thought it was a situation like in a fucking um, Brotherhood of the Wolf, where you know it's like just some invented gun. You know, it's like oh, this cool looking thing. Yeah, some like anachronistic thing that they've brought in. To yeah, look but cool, it, no, it's, like, a, it's yeah. a real jobber. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mauser C nine six. Sure. So it became like um. A big like well, that's in loads of other movies, like that's in loads of yeah, one like, or two movies. Yeah, like yeah, it, it became like that. But it was like you know that um, it first was made in uh, eighteen ninety six. So yeah, so that's actually quite like, a, yeah, like yeah. a historically kind of accurate sort of you know aspect to it. Which uh, yeah, it was quite interesting because I because I just assumed that it was like oh yeah he's got a cool gun you know <laughs> but there's no basis for it you know yeah, what I mean? yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like and, like when you're watching it in the context of western like it feels anachronistic yeah. But then, yeah, like you look at the actual history, and it's like, oh yeah, they they were making those kind of guns at this point um, in in history, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's possible that someone in in America may have got hold of one of them, you know. Yeah. And used it to absolutely wreck lads. Mm. Mm-hmm. Before getting wrecked. I wonder how many thumbs he shot with that gun. Yeah. 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 Man, I've got, I've got the film of it in the background, obviously, uh, and like just all that snow. Like, oh my god! Yeah, the snow shots are gorgeous. Mm. It really, it really cooled down my evening in a nice way with <laughs> <laughs> this film. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I like, I like that we watch this now. Um, I like that we watch this as an October film. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was very, yeah, it was despite, very good kind despite... of time. Well, I watched half it. Well, the last couple of days have been very fucking warm. To be honest, they have actually, yeah. They have been, yeah, yeah. But it's pretty, pretty humid weird. today, but actually. By the time it comes out. <laughs> by the time yeah, it's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll be probably cold. Hopefully. In theory, it'll be perfect. Yeah. It'll be ideal. It'll be snowbound by then. Here's open. Snowbound. <laughs> Glass. Um, got, got, got a couple more bits of trivia for you, if, you, if you're interested. Sure, yeah. far, far away. Um, okay. Well, for, first of all... Um, this is just kind of gnarly. It was released in Germany as um, Lichen Pflastern Seinen Weg, which means corpses pave his path. Ooh. Oh. Jesus. Which I think was apparently um, to kind of emphasize, um, like that was obviously referencing Klaus Kinski's character um, for the German mm. market. <laughs> so that's a gnarly and interesting trivia. Mm. There you go. And, um, yeah, this, this, this is just... Oh, sorry? No, I got it, got it. Okay, okay. Um, th- this one, this one ties into the whole area of, like, you know, dodgy, um, you know, you know how the, like, Italians had, like, a lot of bad habits when it came to, uh, soundtracks and set and dubbing and stuff. Mm. Um, mm. so, you know, when it goes to the flashback of Silenzio when he's a kid and the, um... Yeah. And he has the only dialogue that he has in the film where he goes, Mama, Mama! Uh, that's 
recycled from another Corbucci film called Johnny Oro. Uh, where it's <laughs> okay. actually the same kid actor. Johnny Oro's. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's the same kid actor saying Mama Mama, but he just like goes, ah, sure. He says it in the other film, I'll just fucking whack him. <laughs> Don't have to do it again. Do Grand. <laughs> Why? Fucking Shly by Corbucci. Saved like a fiver, I suppose, for. <laughs> well, you know, he's, he's still got the old film reel, he's, he's, you know, he's still got the soundtrack yeah. reel on there. It's like, you just fucking yeah. put that shit out and you copy it over and yeah, fucking, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just I just love how this just like, yeah, another <laughs> aspect of like Italian filmmaking where it's like, you know, just recycling shit from other films and, you know, can't get the soundtrack in here and like, it's gas, it's gas. Like, we spoke about it a lot with um, uh, La Chiesa, I think. Mm. Um, mm. Where, yeah, like, there's the aspect of like, you know, there's some aspects of it that are cool, like shooting everything chronologically. Like I can get behind that, even though it's really expensive. But like, yeah, like that's that's something that ties into this film as well. Is like you inevitably do get like the slightly clunky kind of bits where you know all the all the dubbing, you know, uh, where it's very obviously not the not the character speaking, that kind of crack. I will say so. Like I I, I watched this like the version I watched was in Italian. Same yeah. same as mine, yeah. Yeah, I think it's the most widely available version, and honestly, that actually kind of helped uh, to a certain extent because, like, obviously, most of the actors are Italian. Most, I suppose, and so that you you, you get less of that uncanny valley mm. weirdness. But it's still dubbed, regardless. You still you still get a little bit, but that with like Vanessa, because like obviously she's and Kinsky, American. And Kinsky, like, I suppose. And Kinsky's yeah. like Polish, yeah, yeah. Um. But it never. I didn't yeah, find it much of an issue with this one, though. It wasn't. No, nah, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too yeah, bad. No. Um, yeah, I wasn't like you know, open arms the whole world watching like fuck's sake, mm. this is shite. <laughs> but yeah, it's just a little. Did, did, did he have any grapes with it? Like, that's probably the only like potential tiny thing. I don't know if I do. To be honest with you, um, I did story wise. Okay. So what, like, as we mentioned, like, earlier with the fucking gloves and the guns and learning to live in the cold, and then when fucking, what's his face, Loco's getting away, he just pulls the gun out of the snow. Oh, yeah, and just and shoots, shoots it. the sheriff. I think, I think, I think they try to justify that by the a, fact that it's, like, a, a wrapped tiny in fur rag. or something. <laughs> he just rips it <laughs> But, like, there's a, there's a little bit, the there's a little bit of, off uh, before he yeah. takes it out of the snow. <laughs> Come on. I was like, oh, okay. They, they, well, okay. But I quickly forgot about that with the fucking mad fucking hardcore ending. So Yeah. Like, I, I think when you kind of, when you, you know, start to, you know, dissect it a little bit, there's, like, little kind of continuity kind of things and stuff like that. Like, there's, do you know, like, when Loco's dragging your man by the, with the horse, and there's a shot where, like, you can see the rope that's actually... Attaching them, you know stuff like that. Mm. Well, um, I didn't notice that, but yeah, I I didn't really notice it until I read about it. I was like, oh yeah, actually that was fairly there. But yeah, it's that kind of stuff. Like, it passes by, and like yeah, yeah. It's it's stuff that if you really want to get into it, you can find a gripe with, but you know, it, it, you learn to yeah. look past these things. Like. Yeah, it doesn't affect the the viewing of the film. No, it's um, it's Callum's. What's the what's that word? Um, which. You had what? like you had something with one of the Hitchcock films you watched where there was like um, the way that the film had been scanned resulted in oh this... the like the burn from yeah 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 from the one with the 
botched uh, murder of the yeah, yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the yeah. inhalation, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, Jesus, yeah, the, the, the brain the, the, couldn't the... squeeze that out. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the, uh, What's the, the title? Fucking, uh, yeah. Oh, it's all in for murder. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 What? So, what? Yeah, what yeah. are you talking about that movie? About? What? <laughs> remember, Calm had that like that thing um, about like whatever way the film the film was going. Oh, it was a minor, yeah. minor it was, like, visual gripe with thing, the transfer. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that level of stuff where. Yeah. 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 If I was forced at gunpoint to, to find something wrong with this film, it'd be that kind of shit. But no, and, I, and well, and the love scene. I didn't like the love scene. I don't think it needed to happen. No, but like whatever. Well, they no. never really like they rarely do really. But, her, yeah, her husband died like what two days before? Like come on. Yeah, she's mad for the ride. Like yeah. You know. <laughs> it it did yeah like I, I, like again like with that love scene it, it did feel like one of those things where I was like. Okay, well, I guess we have to have a love yeah. scene here. But, like, they had everyone murdered at the end. Like, yeah. <laughs> they weren't holding anyone's hands then. Yeah. <laughs> well, it yeah. really mattered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's really odd. Like, uh, yeah. I, I just go back to my original point of that where, I, like, it could have been so much worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Be, being an Italian yeah. film, it could have been so much worse. <laughs> mm. No, they did stick to their guns for the most part, though. Mm-hmm. I have to give them that. Uh... Even commies like love, you know. <laughs> Even the lefties. Yeah. I want to briefly touch on the on the the style of it. Um, like so so where Sergio Leone would focus so much on on like stillness and like faces and and that kind of thing. This film I felt was like like uh, I, I I I want to watch more Kobuchi to see if this fares out with these other films, but. It felt like there was so much more emphasis on like movement mm. and like these big old shots with like long lenses where the background is like so out of focus and it's like whipping around and like following like it almost becomes a little bit kaleidoscopic where with with the movements uh, with the characters like chasing each other and all kind of shit like um I felt like there was yeah there was like just way more emphasis on like like movement within the frame and of the frame as well in the at the very, same time. I, but but employed very well. Like I've seen I've seen that kind of thing in the films from a similar kind of era where they kind of just feel a bit I don't know uh, disjointed. Haphazard. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like like yeah, like it doesn't feel it. It definitely feels like all a purpose, yeah. right? Like where like he's he's conveying the chaos of of the situation and conveying the like, the 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 speed mm. and all that kind of stuff um it's very very purposeful and um, i do enjoy a good crash zoom onto a face which there's plenty of mm. oh so many crash zooms Love and it. crash zooms oh, out baby. as well uh in, in and out I... uh in and out and in <laughs> and out um, I, I can't get enough crash zooms just like pile them in there mm. i fucking love them <laughs> just like you know gunshot onto the face oh Yes. Love it. Never gets old. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, that's like yeah. I think we've covered pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. Anyway, yeah. To sum it up, like like to to you know, just to make my feelings absolutely clear, I've already recommended it to someone. So there you go. Oh, before we well, even yeah. fucking record it. <laughs> actually, someone who is not actually that au fait with um the spaghetti western genre mm. um and i was like jesus god 
just jump into this one. Well, here's the one for you. Fucking yeah, hell, yeah, yeah. Dive in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of wish I was watching it with them. I'll be honest. Just so I can, I can sit there, you know, not even watching the screen, just like sitting sideways looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is sometimes one of my favorite things. Yeah, yeah, watch enough. someone watching that. a film. Yeah, it's great. So yeah, 10 out of 10. I don't think those experiences ever go as well as I've... I thought they would. Do you know when I'm showing someone a movie, I'm usually like, fucking, oh, is this going to blow their socks off? Like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're really hyped for yeah, yourself. There's always, like, there's always some moments where you're like, oh, they're going to uh, really react to this, and then there's like, nothing. Oh, okay. And then there's yeah, also yeah, other yeah, moments sure. where like... Yeah, no, I, I didn't like that part yeah. either. No. Yeah. But then there's other moments where they, they, they react like big to, and you're like, wait, why? <laughs> yeah. what? It's so hard not to hype it up. Like, you know, a bit's coming up, and you're kind of like, looking at them, like, almost nudging them, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, oh, oh. <laughs> Wait, it's like it's like when you fucking like trying to show someone an album that you really like. It's like, oh well, the good bits coming yeah, right yeah, up yeah, here, yeah. Right, man. It's like thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that us? We roll up the next one. I think that's it. Let's, let's fucking do it. Uh, let me grab my roll. Uh, oh Jesus! Grab my roll. Here we go. Here's a D twenty. Okay. Make some space here. Right, he ho RPG right. Okay. okay, so <laughs> let's roll up the next film. Take notes, people. So first choice. Ooh, this is a this is a juicy one. Ooh. <laughs> oh, hello. Leave her to heaven from nineteen forty five. It's a it's a noir. But a noir, not not a noir as you would expect. Ooh, that's all I will say about it. That that's all you're gonna say. It's in color. It's a noir in color. Oh, okay. From what year? 1945. Interesting. 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 Leave her to leave her to heaven. Okay. That's the that's the first choice. I would really love to watch and discuss that film because it's like it's really interesting. Uh, but let's let's see what the second choice is just for just for argument's sake. Uh, I just rolled another 11, which might be a sign that we're just going to watch Leave It to Heaven, but let's, let's roll it again well, just to see if we can get another one. Third roll. Uh, or, okay, or Messiah of Evil, 1973. Awesome. If you want to watch a horror film. Ooh, well, it is the season. It is the season. Yes, it is. But also, I will say Leave It to Heaven has some horror elements. Hmm. In there are moments in the, the kind of scary and in color, but then Messiah of Evil is a straight up horror film. If you want to watch a straight up horror film, what's your um, what's your elevator pitch for Messiah of Evil? Uh, it's I don't say it's a horror what movie. The fuck, do I even what do I even say about Messiah of Evil? Uh, it's a experimental zombie film set in a, a California coastal town. Man, I don't even care. I don't know what it's to start with. There's like a weird. There's like an ancient curse. There's some like weird shit going on. There's like a. There's a whole mansion full of like artwork and like modern art. Uh, I'm, there's some like. He's going from like I can't really describe it fully. You have to just gonna watch yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, jeez, I don't know. Ryan, are you any less torn than I am? <sighs> no, no, I don't think I am. Fuck. Because the color noir or crazy horror. 
and tis the season like you you did do you have a coin handy no shit I don't I do I do I do I've got a coin right here it's it's like I'd planned that holy shit it's right next to me <laughs> will I will I toss coin yeah do I feel yeah, like yeah go I, I yeah. feel like it's the situation for it leave her to heaven heads so um geez what is this there's a coin some kind of foreign coin it's a kuna oh I think it's a Croatian coin <laughs> interesting <laughs> Well, so, pick one side to be the heads then. Okay, uh, so we've got um, an otter on one side and a fish on the other, so... Well, fish are evil, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so fish from a side of evil. Yeah. An otter for a lever now. That was some fucking throw. Uh, it's the otter. Lever to heaven. Ooh, okay. Lever to heaven, 1945. Okay. Lock that film in. Nice. Interesting. Okay. I'm happy with that. I'm happy cool, with cool, that. cool. Cool, cool, cool.